We just spent 10 minutes trying to figure out what to talk about. Not that we don't have anything to talk about, but we didn't feel like talking about the things that I guess we could have talked about. Yeah. I guess it just boils down to the fact that we're rusty. Yeah, and we're coming off Thanksgiving, so uh, um, I've already had all the conversations with family members that I didn't want to have um, over the last two days about everything that's annoying or frustrating in this world. So I'm kind of bled out on anything in, in regards to pandemics and politics and education and so uh, uh i know like we've been talking for probably a month now about getting back in here and starting season two um or second second volume maybe of podcasts and uh we know we need to do it but it's like that first day in the gym it's like we're kind of walking around looking at the machines we know we got to work out at some point, but we've been sitting here for 10 minutes discussing which machine to use first because we're, we're just, we know it's going to be sore and not too great today. But, uh, man, it's it's been quite a year, quite a layoff. I mean, really since, I don't even know the last time. Was it July? June? Yeah, I think it was June or July. Yeah. And it wasn't intentional. I mean, I think part of it was we got busy. And then we said, yeah, let's just take a month off. And actually, I really appreciated some of that time off because it helped with some of the creative elements of things. Um, But we have been attempting to do this for a couple weeks and it just, it it felt off. I mean, it still kind of, it still kind of feels a little off right now, but I'm sure we'll reach the 25 minute mark in this conversation and then start looking at each other like hey we've been talking for 25 minutes yeah. hit that stride <laughs> um but there's a lot of things that happened i mean you and i we actually traveled together i mean it's interesting since people have started listening to this podcast one there's so many people who said to me they didn't know you talked much <laughs> and then two they seem to be a little like wide-eyed when they realize how close we are and because i'll just reference things like just in passing like oh yeah matt and i went and did this or we traveled and did that and they're like looking at me like wait do you guys spend that much time together (laughs) so um so i think that's an interesting too that's an interesting thing too like people just kind of get to know you slash us through this but yeah we we traveled together we actually traveled all the way to utah which is fun yeah um it was cool yeah we got to golf and See, really, like, I mean, Utah, especially southern Utah, feels like a different planet almost in some ways. Just the the terrain of it, everything, how everything looks and feels. And, um, you know, with everything that's happened this year with, you know, as we know, like the pandemic, you know, a lot of people haven't been able to move around as much. And we haven't either. And to be able to take it, I think it was only like four or five days with spouses and some friends and <clears throat> golf and explore and we did this ATV thing that's just like the craziest four hours of our life, like just going through all these big sand dunes. And Yeah, I mean, as much as we appreciate the game of golf, which only took two minutes before we, we mentioned it, um, that was probably the highlight of the trip. I mean, just like 
doing what are they called? Dune buggy, sand buggy, I don't know, whatever. Dune buggy, ATVs. Yeah, in the desert for four hours. It was cool. It was crazy, but it was fun. Yeah, we. Uh, it's it's important for me. I mean, um, I I was actually talking to Maria about this last night. I have. I don't know if the word suffer is correct, but I, I definitely am afflicted with a, a pretty restless soul. Um, I, I struggle with like, oh man, there's nothing to do for two days. Like the the Friday to Sunday after Thanksgiving, it gives me like anxiety because I don't have work. Um, and generally there's a lot of random family members either at my house or around and the schedule is pretty loose and I really struggle with like waking up with nothing to do and and so that's what I feel like the last six months has been <laughs> it's like uh trying to figure out for me at least a schedule uh or, or just structure to my my outside of work and everything but um figuring out how to just not get up and do the same thing over and over and over again um for myself that's a that's a big deal and so being able to escape to Utah for four days and um, luckily have a friend that has, uh, you know, a place out there and we met some other friends, some new friends for Cedric and Jess. Um, it was really nice. And it was like, I think we all kind of on the flight home were like, boy, that was really needed. You don't know you need a vacation until you've had a vacation. You're like, man, that was, that was a really nice change of pace. I mean, it was a complete change of pace. I mean, it was, you know, when was it? It was probably 60 degrees in Ohio and it was 105 in Utah and we were golfing and, and seeing all this weird stuff and, and um, you know, just absolutely getting out of our element completely was something that, you know, hear in books all the time, like fresh wind, fresh, fresh fire kind of thing. Boy, that was, that was really great to have that. Yeah, on the other hand, too, I mean, like we... On this in this part of the country, everything was like you know semi shut down, and I think we were all worried about what travel tra- what travel would look like. But I thought it was interesting. The one day we went to a national park, I mean, and it was packed with people, and almost to where it's like, are we in a place where the pandemic's not happening because mm-hmm. these people aren't acting as if as if anything was going on? And so even just that, I don't know how safe that was, but. Even just that, even just that was nice to see. It was like, wait, there's a level of of normalcy here. Um, but yeah, that was cool. That was yeah, like you said, it was really good to get away. You don't realize you need that until it happens. Um, yeah. And so yeah, that was cool. I know Maria and I, and I know you and Jess too, make a concerted effort every year, multiple times a year. You know, we do the big, big family vacation at the beach, and then we do just my family. You know, with our three kids. We'll do one or two things where it's, you know, it's super kid focused. Um, but then Marie and I, we like to go out a couple times a year. This, um, you know, we've been blessed to be able to do so just us two or with a couple couples um, and just have fun, just relax, see something that we're not used to, whether it's, you know, going to the Caribbean and, and exploring that area. But, you know, this time it was pretty unique. We usually like to go to like Jamaica or Mexico, and we went to, of all places, Utah. This, which doesn't seem too, you know, tropical or you know, vacation, but vacation centric. But it was a really great time, and uh, happy to be able to escape that. And it made me long for those days we talk about. I, with Maria, sometimes it's just like you know, man, I wish, 
Remember concerts? Remember, <laughs> remember going to like dinner with a bunch of people, like and all that stuff. And you know, we're not going to make this a pandemic con- uh, uh, podcast, but uh, you know, being able to be out there in Utah with friends and and was just awesome. And that was definitely the highlight of the last six months for me. Um, yeah, that may actually be a really good idea—a pandemic podcast. Mm-hmm. Like you just record what you're doing while yeah. you're in quarantine. Although I have to be honest, I don't know if I've ever. I don't know if I've actually quarantined. Yeah, I did like I did like April May when it was like, hey, everything shut down. I work from home, and which was hard to get used to, and thankfully isn't the norm still. But yeah, I know I have I have you know I was in California uh, about three weeks ago, and I went you know, and they're a lot more locked down. And I got my rental car, and we went and got a coffee at Starbucks through the drive through, and I rolled my window down. And I didn't have my mask on, and. I sent the guy at the window back 10 feet like I had the bubonic plague. <laughs> He's like, put your mask on. I was like, oh, yeah, we ain't in Worcester anymore. Yeah. This is Los Angeles a little bit different. And so, um, yeah, it's just, you know, that actually really, um, you know, really made me recognize and, and be thankful for a couple things, and especially like where we live. Um our, our schools have been really, really resilient with keeping kids in class as much as they can. And, um, you know, that's such a big thing for my kids um, to see their growth. I just see their maturity. I see them lose their maturity when they're home. Um, and, and I see how much they gain in maturity when they become one of 15, 18, 20 in a classroom, you know, have to stand in line, have to get, you know, be organized, um, we just see how much they grow. And so, you know, that's definitely something I can be thankful for. And, you know, we kind of joked maybe this podcast, because it's the day after Thanksgiving we're recording, you know, could be about most thankful because I think a lot of people right now are, there's so many things that are, you know, besetting a lot of families, whether it's just economically or emotionally, you know, the holidays are tough for family anyway. And then you add all this stuff to it. Um, how can we, uh, Try to find the the either the silver linings or just the things that be that we're most thankful for because, you know, to church it up right now. But like God is still blessing us. There are still um, His favor is still here. It's just where where are we looking to find it? How are we setting ourselves to, to receive it? Yeah. The other thing too is I think like even the slower pace of life is an actual blessing. I don't think we think about it that way because, like you said, you get on edge if there's anything to do. But I think. The more you, as you mature and you realize, wait a second, there is, there's some beauty in not being on the go all the time and just kind of, you know, spending extra time at home or resting or just whatever. And just, I think that if you really stop and think about it, I mean, it may not happen right now, but I'm, I'm guessing six or eight months from now, we'll look back and we'll realize that, you know what, that was actually a good thing. It was good that I was forced to stop and not do anything. And so I guess for me, I've, I've made the decision to look at it that way. Um, so, yeah. So we, I mean, for you and I, I don't know about everybody else, but this is kind of the time of the year where I start to think about what next year is going to look like and start to set some goals. Actually, last year at this time, I had just finished planning my entire 2020 and didn't get to do any of it. I was that hit the trash <laughs> real quick. And so, uh, and so for me, there's there's a little bit of nervousness 
I actually thought about it. Like, should I even plan anything? Should I set goals or should I just, you know, go back to being my 19 year old self and just wing it? Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I can go back to winging it. But so, so what, uh, what kind of goals are you, me, we setting for next year? And then I know you and I talked about this a little bit, but like, if you have to be flexible, like if, if, if something like when something like 2020 happens and you have to be flexible, how do you, how do you assess whether or not you actually achieve your goals? Yeah. I think it's a good thing to, to think about. Good question to ask. Yeah, and I actually, you know, gosh, how long has it been? About four or five years ago at least. Uh, one of the things I started doing was I actually have a, a sales, I don't know, a coach or just a mentor that I uh, uh, have conversations with a couple times a month. We have, you know, on our calendar where she is calling in, checking in on me. You know, she lives out in the West Coast. But, you know, we're always sharing data and about what's going on with work and, you know, just keeping me focused and we had that call this week and she's like so what's your plans for next year and I was like I don't even know and kind of feeling a little beat down about what has happened this year as far as just planning wise I mean work-wise personally has been really great um, and we feel very blessed that we were in an occupation that is deemed essential which are terms that we never even knew about 10 months ago uh, but trying to plan and trying to, to be organized. That's something I, I really lean into and enjoy. And it seemed like every time I went and I, I made these, you know, these overarching goals, um, for the year. And then as, as you know, March and April hit, everything changed and trying to recalibrate those goals. And then things kind of opened back up and, and then I shut them back down and Lord knows when they're going to open back up. And, you know, it's just really stressful to be like, how do I, how do I grade myself? I mean, through, you know, growing up in athletics and schooling and stuff, you know, what was my grade? Did we win? You know, what was the score? Are things that are always kind of intrinsic with me. And, and one of the things that we talked about, I talked about with my coach this week was, you know, kind of having more than one set of goals. Uh, not that they're different, but that they are running kind of uh, parallel with each other. You know, you're not, you, for me, like numericals, like I, I work on a job and I have a company that, you know, I want to hurt, hit certain revenue goals so that I can pay my staff and, you know, uh, we have opportunities to grow. But also um, having more 30,000-foot view goals of, like, putting in different things for leadership. How am I helping to – or how am I myself becoming a better leader? How am I connecting more with my employees or – or how am I building uh, deeper relationships with my referral partners? Like all the, a lot of those things that I can set forth in goals personally, and I think we all can, have nothing to do with whether we can get in our car or there's a curfew or uh, take a flight or anything. A lot of it, um, when I'm thinking goals for 2021 uh, and the goals that I've really you know, worked on this year are more personal, interpersonal, whether it's personal growth um, spiritually um, whether it's personal growth, uh, just maturity-wise, like parenting, you know, we're in a lot more close quarters with our kids, which uh, you have, when you have a bunch of them and they all want attention or, you know, your your patience runs thin. Like, how do I continue to evolve to communicate to my growing kids? Now it's great because 
reason is available where in the beginning few years it's kind of like you know putting out a fire now i can you know you know reason with them so there's a lot of things goal wise that i'm literally sitting here assessing and over the next few weeks going to go through that are just you know they aren't going to be so straightforward like hey i want to meet 10 people every month in this it's going to be how am i serving how am i how does that look this month if I'm home or if this month if I'm travel, traveling. So One of the things I noticed and I paid close attention to, this happened about a couple of years ago. I, I was starting to pay attention to how people set goals. And after really thinking about it and listening to how people go about goal setting, I realized that most people set goals the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have like just through trial and error, tr- through learning from other people, um, through reading and education, there's some, there's some, I guess, metrics or a list of how I, I set goals. And I've also just made like a list of, of the way that I notice people set goals. And so maybe we could just kind of talk back and forth about helping the listener to be better at goal setting. Yeah. I mean, considering when, you know, that this is, you know, probably here, this had either had to be the end of the year or beginning of a new year. Um, and so, um, I'll start with the first one that I think that I've noticed that I think is a major problem when it comes to goal setting. And so the first one is most people set really, really boring goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just not fun at all. Like the most dry, uninteresting, boring goals. And if you want to really reach a goal, it should be something that's incredibly fun and incredibly engaging and intriguing. If you if your goal is boring, you you probably never reach it. Agree or disagree? Yeah, no, I think a lot of it is so straightforward. When you talk about boring, I think of like you know a salesman being like, "I want to sell ten percent more next year," and it's like, okay, well, how do you get there? Like, what what maybe that goal is, you know, the end, the finish line, but to be a ten percent better salesman or a twenty percent better husband. What are the goals you need to reach? It's, it's you don't want to like first down, like in football, like how many first downs do I got to get to get to the end zone? Not be like, hey, I want to score a touchdown. Most of the time in a football game, even a season, how many 80 yard touchdowns are there? Yeah. One or two. How do you become a 20% better husband? Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the great things I had when I was playing football 20 years ago in high school, it seems sad to say that, but has it really um, been that long? It feels like it. It's probably been, yeah, since I was in high school. 2000 yeah and uh one of my coaches was super impactful to me and I actually became friends we're friends now and one of the things he always would say like the first day of two days every year was say if you got one percent better every day in 30 days you'd be a third better of a football player by week six you'd be twice as good of a football player as you are now it isn't about you we think in terms of scoring touchdowns we think in terms of winning the game and that's ultimately important but monday through friday if i can get one percent better every monday through friday by the end of two days you're almost a 20 percent better football player and when we talk about the macro goal and the micro goal i think all of us have these macro goals we all want to be rich we all want to take our wives to hawaii we all want to you know we want our kids to to go to the private school that they want to go through in college or we want them you know all these things we want to have happiness and fulfillment but those are your macro or your your macros. What are our micro goals that get us there? And and 
I think that's where a lot of people either fail to even think about or, you know, they get bored in that stuff because a lot of that, you know, talking about 1% better isn't super exciting. But when you look back on, hey, you know what, I'm going to make one extra call a day or, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to I'm going to make I'm going to take my list of people that I work with and I'm going to email three of them a day. And you, you all of a sudden you get busier and you think of all these little tasks that you're doing that are amounting to bigger tasks. You know, trust me, there's been hundreds of thousands of books read or written about this topic. But the reason that they're written is because that works. And yeah. Um, So I can just think of one of the goals that I had set for for this year, for 2020. Um, It had to do with running. And so I really enjoy running. I don't I don't really talk about it that much, but it's just something that I really like to do. Um, And. For a lot of people, running could be pretty monotonous, but I knew that I had, I really wanted to become a runner and I'm, I'm someone who struggles with boredom. And so I thought, man, what are the ways that I can stay engaged in running so that I reach my running goals? And one of the things that I did was instead of just giving myself a fixed number of miles per day or per week, I focused on the route that I was running. And so I gave myself a goal to change my route every two days, every second or every third time that I ran to change the route. And so I would spend all this time looking up different routes in the areas that I ran to just to change the scenery, to change the, the route. And what I realized, well, what I, I guess what I didn't realize I was doing at the same time was um, there were times where I was able to run longer. Uh, there were times where I wasn't so focused on my time or my watch, but I was looking around because I changed the because I changed the route. And then what I found myself doing was getting excited, not just about the feeling of running, but excited about where I was going to run on any given day. And there were a handful of times where I changed the route while I was running. I mean, I know the general direction of where I was going to go and how to get back to where my car was, but... I was really surprised by how just changing it up that way just added an element of fun to running. And obviously, you know, it's a domino effect. I became a better runner. I became healthier and obviously lost a couple of pounds along the way. But that's just, a, that's just a simple example that I could think of in reference to, you know, a physical or fitness goal um, when it comes to setting a goal that's just not boring, something that isn't fun and engaging and keeps you coming back it keeps you keeps you pressing forward in reference to the overall goal yeah and i think there's there's ways you know when you get to the place in your life where you know i hate to say where we are but where you're an adult and you're in your career and family is established you know i think a lot of people struggle with uh you know like kind of the feeling of what's next or what could be you know is it that exciting to to get the promotion for the corner office, is that like enough to get you out of bed or is that um, really enough to get you excited to, to, to be better? And, you know, I talk to my coach, like she has a philosophy where she says, you know, one for you, one for them, and then one for service. And so my, my position as an owner of a company is my one for them is for my staff. So, you know, what is my goal for my, myself? personally, whether it's, uh, you know, a sales goal or, you know, monetary goal or just a relationship goal. And then I have one for my staff. Like, what does that mean to me? Does that mean I'm, we have, uh, 
more, you know, staff culture things where it's tough right now with everything going on the pandemic. But, you know, we'll have things like, you know, uh, you know, covered lunch or whatever. Everybody brings in something where we're around each other more because I just am a firm believer of, you know, culture and business and and, in any kind of occupation. Being around each other is always going to breed just a, a better sense of community. And then the last one is service. And I think that's my biggest challenge right now. Um, and in the next year is, you know, how can I open myself up to the opportunity or the possibility of service for a lot of different things? I know our company was really big in um, serving. We love to serve meals to people. We've done that all the time. And how do we ramp that up? How do we show our community or people in our community that aren't exactly like looking to buy houses? Um but they still need a warm meal or they still need a conversation. You know, how do we serve them? How do we serve our, you know, the church, the local body, you know, um, that was one of my desires this year was to be a little bit more active in the West Hill Baptist family church. Um, I, you know, I, I can't sing, I can't, I'm not a preacher for sure. Um, but God has given me talents and how do I see if I can use any of those to help and, and, you know, those are the challenges that I'm pushing myself for currently. It's just, it's uncomfortable, you know, um, to, to go into new areas, but it's way better than being stuck and doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I would definitely challenge, challenge everyone to take a look at their goals. And especially when it comes to just how f- how fun are they? Are they? Is it something that you would want to do? Is it something that keeps you engaged? Um, and just and just reassess them. Um, the next thing I I've noticed was that most people's goals are too big. They set these goals that are just almost unreachable. Yeah. And it's been scientifically proven that if you reach a small goal, then you teach yourself how to actually reach goals. Mm-hmm. And so the the more smaller goals that you have the more you learn how to achieve goals, to have actually have good goal-setting skills. And so through conversation, I notice that people's goals are just ginormous. I mean, mm-hmm. like you, you use, use an example with numbers, but, you know, some people will say, well, I want to increase sales by, by 50%. It's like, dude, you, there's 12 months in a year. I don't like, I'm not even in sales and I know that that's too big of yeah. a goal. Um, you know, from the church world, we say things like, you know, I want, I want, to, I want our congregation to grow by twenty percent. Like, you do the math. Do you know how many people is twenty percent? That's mm-hmm. a huge number. Um, and I think a, a better, a better way of thinking of of your goal setting is to, is to just. I'm not saying don't don't be ambitious, but I'm saying just don't have the goal be so big. Mm-hmm. Instead of it being like, hey, let's increase our congregation size by twenty percent. How about, hey, you know, let's challenge every small group to add one new person to it this year. Yeah. You see, like, that's a that's that's a much more achievable bite-sized goal instead of saying, hey, let's let's increase by 20%, you know, or, yeah. or even from a fitness standpoint. I know a lot of people like to set fitness goals. You know, they're like, I'm going to lose 47 pounds. It's like, well, how about you try to lose six pounds? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or... or um, you know, you and I are readers, and so we we have conversations with people like that. And they're like, "I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read forty books this year." It's like, "Well, how about you read one book a month, yeah, <laughs> or one book a quarter, and just start and start smaller." So, 
as you as you think about your goals and you set them, um, try not to make them so big. Make them so that they are achievable, and uh, you'll notice that you actually reach more of your goals. Yeah, and there are people who are you know, and th- and that's what people tend to glom onto to as references. There are people, and we I mean we went to college. The first the first uh, convocation we would have at Liberty every year um, before he passed away, Jerry Fall would stand up and be like, you need to have a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. And because he wanted, and and because of who Jerry Fall was, you got to understand that this guy created a university in modern times by pretty much sheer force of will. And of course, God's grace. But like, there's a lot of people that would say, I want to have a great evangelical college where kids from all over the country can come and learn, but also learn the sciences, become lawyers, do all these things. And he said that in 1970, whatever, seven, whatever it was. 71. 71. And, uh, and then it actually happened. So sometimes you get tripped up because you got, you have, you have this person who is obviously in a, you know, extreme overachievers like, yeah. And then you get stuck and say, yeah, well, what if I, what do I want to do? Well, I want to start, you know, something big like that. But they don't remember that the struggle of starting at university and, and for decades at barely making it. And you talk about, I'm not against a BHAG. I'm not against a, a huge goal, but make it realistic. And they say like that 50% sales goal, then make that over five years and say, okay, how do I get 10% better every year? And then at the end, you've made that goal. It's the realistic part of like, have a huge goal. I'm okay with having a huge goal, but have the that be goal five and have different yard markers to achieve throughout and define those. Because what happens is if you don't have that and your sales are up 17% and you somehow think like you failed, but really you look at that 17% and then the next year, how do you get another 12%? And then the next year it's 10%. And the next year it's 14%. Now you're 54% higher. Don't check my math on that, but um, making sure that we're, we're we have clear macro goals is the word I'm trying to find macro goals to to achieve. And I know this is real boring for some people. It's not exactly um, you know exciting topic, but man, it works. And you know that's what I love about you know with Pastor Zach and you know the one uh, campaign that he's had over the last couple of years, like. You think about the simplicity of something like that, where it's like, hey, you know, I'm gonna identify one person, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put extra effort into that. I'm gonna invite that person over, their family over. I'm gonna have coffee. I'm gonna pray extra. I'm gonna seek God's advice on how to have that person come to church. Not only come to church, but you know, have salvation and start a relationship with Christ. And you know, that's such a great macro goal for an individual uh, Christ follower to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to spend my whole year and I'm going to find one person. You may not know that person in January. You may meet him in June, but we have all had that one person where it's like, God says, yep, that's my one. And that goal, and sometimes that doesn't happen in a year. Sometimes great strides are made and by the end of the year, but you see the progression of it. I, I just see that stuff as being so powerful because it is realistic. It's not saying, hey, what if you you know, and we hear this sometimes, like, what if you won your neighborhood for Christ? Well, that's a big, what's your neighborhood? Does your neighborhood got 60 houses in it? 
How could you have a job, have a family, go to church, and then save 60 families? But you could save one, and then the next year you could save another. And if you're diligent and God's you know, hand is on it, five, six years on the road, you five, six families, 20, 30 people now saved, maybe going to our church, maybe going to another church. But you've got them, you know, you are a catalyst for that transaction. That can be really great. Yeah, I think it's author and speaker John Acuff who said, you know, you have a goal and you set it and then cut it in half. I'm pretty sure it's him who said that. Um, and it's interesting how that works. I've actually done that. I've actually tried that before where it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to set this goal. And it's so funny because like the perfectionist in me is like, no, I'm not cutting this in half. But I, but I, I actually did it. And it is amazing how much you actually reach your goals when when you make them when you make them smaller um i think it was two years ago i had a goal i had a there's a certain number that i wanted to reach in reference to my overall golf score and my handicap and instead of doing that i actually focused on a much smaller goal and i was like you know what i'm gonna hit as many fairways and as many greens as i possibly mm-hmm. can every single round and even that smaller overall goal was still too big and so i said you know what let's go nine fairways and nine greens like that was my that was my goal and so i remember i did that and i it was it was amazing how it worked i mean there were even times when i was like you know what i know i could hit a particular shot here but instead i'm gonna hit another shot because i just want to be in the fairway even if i'm 40 yards shorter and just you know just to use a golf reference but I did the same thing with same thing in ministry. It's like, you know what? I want to have, I want people to memorize this huge portion of scripture. We're going to tease through it. We're going to walk through it. And instead I was like, you know what? How about we just dissect and memorize the Lord's prayer? Mm-hmm. And we started there. And then through that process, there was some people who started to fall in love with the Sermon on the Mount and then Matthew itself, Matthew five, and then Matthew six, and then eventually all of Matthew. And so, you know, you can still you can still take that concept and apply it to almost anything, whether it's a personal goal or a ministry goal or a professional goal. Um, so yeah, the first one is just make them fun. Just don't don't set boring goals. Number two is I find that people make them too big. Um, the third one, and you kind of you alluded to it when you use your yard marker example, is we don't set measurements. We don't set. Mm-hmm things that show us like here's where i'm going like here's how i'm doing um and so what i've noticed is people focus on the end goal the finish line instead of along the way Mm -hmm. um and again i i took this concept from running and applied it to other areas of my life one of the greatest things i did was instead of focusing on my my overall running time i focused on my pace per half mile and so every half mile, I looked at my watch and paid attention to my pace. And it's like, okay, you know what? The next half mile, I'm going to work on this pace. And the other one, I'm going to hold this pace. And before I knew it, I, my time was great because I had these small little measurements that I could actually keep track of so that I knew exactly where I was going and then eventually reached my overall goal. Yeah, it's, you know... And I was joking with with Cedric before we started about like, you know, a common term is like uh, you know moving the goalposts. Things get moved, and this year, how many times did they get moved back, forward, taken away? Sometimes it was like the goalpost wasn't even achievable, and 
<clears throat> it's really tough to um it, it's really tough to continue on a pathway when you do have a big goal or just a stated goal if you don't have clear yard markers because it that is where I believe you know personally where Satan really makes his uh, makes his money makes hay whatever you want to call it um, because he knows your goal he knows your stated goal he knows you want to you know be x times better of a husband or better of a father or he knows you want to grow deeper in your your um, salvation and and your knowledge of God and your relationship and you know where he comes in is he doesn't say hey you can't you can't do this. He'll, you know, they'll derail you and say, you know, you've been, you've been working in this specific area and see no gain. Maybe it's not worth it, or maybe you can't do it, or maybe you know. But all of those areas you're working towards that bigger goal, like Setter just said about the half mile tracking, you know, having those shorter things to check in on, and really, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we all struggle, and I do too, is just consistently checking in on your goals, like knowing that. Um. It's not all going to be good news. It's not always going to be positive or progressing. That your goals are, um, sometimes they're going to be, your, your strive for them is going to be stagnant. But that doesn't mean you need to change or quit. Um, it just means you need to keep on working on things. And so, you know, you know, for me, like, my struggle when I fall off on goal setting and goal reaching, a lot of times is I'll set a goal and my first two attempts at, reaching it or, or putting some a plan together for it don't go well and i go ah so I, I didn't really figure that one out let me put that on the back burner and focus on something else and, and that that really just uh you know lack of resiliency a lot of times is what derails people yeah that's a good point too i think we have to figure out a way i shouldn't say figure out a way i guess learn how like what do you do when you are on the process like you're in the process of reaching a goal and you hit a roadblock or you hit you hit you know a pandemic <laughs> like what do you what do you do do you say well i'm just going to throw the whole thing out and just forget it or do you reassess and reevaluate and reset i mean that's what i've learned to do i've learned okay you know what here's what's here's what happened let me reevaluate let me reset and let me set another realistic goal based on what i've been given yeah. And then keep going. I see so many times people just throw it out. You know, they they say, you know, well, I was I was on the way to, you know, I guess we've been using that example of you know fifty percent or whatever it is, increase sales, and then something happens, and you know, you miss a month of work, or you know, you lose a client who who was, you know, big, who like a a big client in reference to your overall sales so what do you do you reevaluate and you reset and then you may have to change the metric you may have to change the measurement it may no longer be 50 percent. it may be what whatever you know whatever even smaller number is so i think that's that's something i want to encourage people to to do as well like just because you may be on your way to a goal something may happen you just have to you have to reevaluate and re like put a new goal in place and um and then just keep going from there so yeah i know there's a um uh, there's an illustration i've heard and i want to say it was in a it was in like a book and i want to say it would have been um it was a basketball coach i think it was uh Krzyzewski, i think it's coach k but it was talking about um you know there's sometimes when you're when you're 
trying to strive for a goal or you're trying to get better and there's a wall that gets put up and you kind of have two choices. You really have three choices. You can see that wall and say, I'll never beat it and I'll just quit. You can say, I see that wall and you know what? I'm going to put a helmet on. I'm going to run through it. And sometimes that works. Sometimes just putting your head down and grinding it out and saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to keep on doing it works. But more often than not, the people that are most successful is they see that wall, they take a step back, they assess the wall, and they go, so how am I going to scale this wall? Not giving up the overarching goal of getting to the finish line, but now their new goal in the immediate future is, how do I scale this intermediate wall? And then as soon as they get over that wall, remember that goal that you had from the beginning, and not go, oh, I got over the wall, that's fine. I got over that, that wall, okay, that's it. Now, how do I continue to do that? Now, and just having that resiliency of planning and saying like, you know, like for me personally, um, in our industry with everything that happened this year, um, there was so many changes um, to lending guidelines and, and um, corporately and fulfillment and all of these things that were made on the fly. It wasn't like, hey, on, you know, May 30th, we're going to get this new thing that's going to come out. Get ready. It was, hey, I got an email last night at midnight that Fanny and Freddie decided this. And you're kind of figuring out on the way, instead of just saying, hey, well, forget what they're doing. I'm going to continue to do this. We have to continually meet and change. And, and you know, it's exhausting. It is exhausting to do that. And, you know, goal setting is, you know, the finish line is sweet, but a lot of times the, the trail is tough. And there was a lot of that this year for sure for us. The last one is we make our goals too isolating. Um, we, we try to do them by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, we just try to reach every single goal on our own without any help. And, I, and obviously we didn't talk about this, the order of this before we started recording. But I love your analogy about the wall because I think so many times we not only could figure out a way to scale the wall and get over it, but more often than not, there's someone who could help us get over the wall. Yeah. There's someone who Somebody can, else is looking at that same wall. Yeah, someone else that we can be like, hey, you know, let's put a strategy together so that we can, you know, I can help you get to where you want to be. Um, and so I've seen that mistake so many times. People set goals and they they isolate themselves. They try to They try to achieve them by themselves. And I'd really encourage you to not isolate yourself. Bring someone along for the ride and just... Say, hey, you know what? Here's my goal. Here's why it's fun. Here, it's a small bite-sized goal. And I honestly think that you could help me achieve it. And I, in turn, can help you achieve achieve your goals. And so, as you think about setting goals for the upcoming year, don't isolate yourself. Think about some people who who can help you along. I mean, I'm sure that you've had that. Like, you, there's no way you got to where no, you yeah. are without having some people help you reach those goals. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, you met a group of them and we went to Utah, our friends out there, and um, that's a big thing for me and maybe it came from sports or, or just maybe it's my personality, but I am a huge collaborator. I'm not somebody that can look at something and go, oh, that's what that means. Uh, we'll just do this. Uh, my mentality has always been, you know, something new comes out or there's a struggle. Uh, you know, I've always, even before those things happen, um, I've always wanted and desired to have relationships with people in my industry. Um, so we're always kind of in constant contact with each other saying, you know, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing and you're doing, is this working? 
you know, sharing just little nuggets back and forth. But then I also have, I mean, really what I feel the most lucky about is um, diversity and friendships from, uh, you know, I have friends that are executives that, you know, precious stone, I don't know if that's even the right way, but, you know, granite places or whatever, you know, where they're running a factory and it's a national organization. And I have friends, of course, that are pastors from head pastor to youth pastor to church planner to, you know, they're working all different. To say that those people are doing the same thing is is incorrect. They're all working a different part of ministry in a different place in ministry. And, you know, that's something for me. And I have friends that are working factories or school teachers or whatever. But everybody has different things that they're either going through, um, have gone through. And it's not about dumping your problems on people, but having a network to really be able to, number one, above all, give to. Don't be a drain. Find your group of people and be like, and be a person that is also giving as much as you are throwing out to the to the other relationship. But having those relationships where you can say, hey, man, you know what? This is really bothering me. I'm really struggling with this. And that pastor may be like, you know what? About four years ago, I had a secretary. And it was completely different. But this is how we dealt with that type of situation. It was an attitude thing. We didn't know that there was something going on at home. We discovered it. And this is how we made two mistakes, fixed it, and then got back on the right path. Just hearing those stories and helping it assimilate your life, that is so important, at least for me personally. And so, uh, you know, however I can... Also be a help if they have any questions um, that I can be of service to. Uh, but really, having a network um, in times of good and in times of bad, you want to have people, I think, on all sides. I got a couple buddies like Don who's kind of seen it all. And has, you know, he's at, you know, maybe I'm at second base. He's rounding third base. I mean, he's, he's already seen it. But I also have some friends that are really new in the industry. And I, I talk to them and they're doing... They're so creative because they haven't failed yet. Yeah. So then I get to see all of their stuff and say, wow, they, you know what? There's something in that kernel of what other conversation that I can take to myself. It's just being in that network and being able to give back um, to have that. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that when you reach a goal, or when you achieve a goal, it's a great feeling. But if you really think about it, it's not as great of a feeling as when you achieve it and get to share it with somebody yeah. else. Um, I mean, there's every single major achievement that I could think of ministry wise was a lot more significant because I was sharing it with the people around me, um, with other coworkers, with other pastors, with, with friends. Um, you know, if you look at the music industry, there, there's no, there's no surprise why you see so many collaborations. Mm -hmm. You see guys working with other people creativity happens you reach a goal together you celebrate it together there's a greater sense of accomplishment and achievement and so as you as you think about what kind of goals you want to reach um just don't don't do them by yourself don't don't even attempt to reach them by your by yourself it's going to be a lot more fulfilling and it's going to be an amazing feeling when you reach that goal when you achieve that goal and you have someone to share that with you have someone to thank for helping you for helping you reach that goal i mean 
even 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 though inside the game of golf you and i we talk about it a lot and we actually even had a an, an episode where we talked about the the importance of a caddy and so even those guys you know even those guys could not achieve it i mean you if any of you watched the the 2020 masters one of the first things you notice after dustin won was just just his level of emotion that he had because he won that with his brother who's his caddy mm. and it's the thing he talked about the most he talked about how sharing that with his brother was was almost as great of an achievement as if he you know outside of just winning it itself mm-hmm. and so he he was really elated that he was able to do that with with his brother who yeah. who's also his caddy and so it exists everywhere even in the most seemingly isolating industries or sports or sections of of life chances are there's somebody on a quote team that helped them reach their goal yeah and that was one of the you know more surprising things for me uh, as i matured and work and grew and and got more responsibility and uh, with our company and then now traveling and having relationships with uh, other business owners and you know i this isn't like just as an example and not like a humble brag, but there's people that I know that make multiple, multiple millions of dollars a year and have been making multiple, multiple millions of dollars a year for decades. And they have a sales coach. They have a mentor that they meet. They have, they have somebody that's still tweaking them, pushing them, making them uncomfortable, but also as a sounding board for them. I mean, you know, we can call it coaching, network, whatever you want to call it. You know, in the end, what it is to bring it all back, a lot of it, it's biblical fellowship. Like, why do you think Christ created, God created that desire within us for that? It is, of course, for us to sharpen each other in our faith. But an ancillary um, ideal of that or an ancillary just great thing that comes of that is when you have that comfortability and you have people who are in your small group or just in your sphere of influence that are maybe as a cop or maybe as a, uh, you know, a business owner, maybe, you know, is just an executive in a really large company or a stay at home mom, that fellowship that you have is all meaningful because it is, it has an ability to speak truth in your life, not directly, not, Hey, my, I used to own a mortgage company too. And it, this is what I did. But it's sometimes it's, you know what, that sounds like when we had a trouble with our 13-year-old when he was just becoming a teenager and this is what happened here. Or, you know, my dad, you know, went out of business because this happened or just so many things that you can glean that aren't just direct relation to your business. And I think a lot of us all do like, people don't understand, my life is too complex or my problems are too hard or my questions are too specific Opening up and having those those networks, those relationships is so important because whether it's a paid mentor like I have that is, you know, I, you know I've given her the ability to kind of carve me up when she knows when I'm making excuses or I'm, you know, you know guarding myself because I don't want to get yelled at. Um, or it's somebody that is just maybe in your small group. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a golfing buddy. Maybe it's whatever it is, uh, another parent on your kid's soccer team. But gaining a relationship like that and being able to be open with those things, that is what I have always been able to 
be so thankful for because I've been able to glean things off of everyday talk that really helped me identify how to get better or where I'm struggling in a certain area with, you know, my goals. Uh, I think we did it. I think we knocked the knocked a little, <laughs> knocked so a little bit of the rust off. Yeah, we'll. Uh, I think we'll, we'll get it. We'll hit our we'll hit our stride. Um, it does feel good to be back, though. We, yeah, we have a number of things we want to talk about, but yeah. we just didn't want to make it the first thing we talked about. Yeah. Um, I think this is good. It's just good to kind of like end end the year and maybe start a new one this way. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say we're back and. We will continue to see where these conversations go. Uh, we have a number of like really cool interviews and conversations lined up. And so uh, we're excited to, to get season two. I do like volume two better. I like volume two. I think we're going to go with that. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to go with the season two. Volume two. Yeah. I like it. Uh, all right. Like, so like yeah. the blueprint. Volume two. Was that the better one? What? Wait. No, it wasn't. I mean, Blueprint Two was was a double 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 CD, double album. Double for kids that meant more than sixteen tracks. <laughs> for you kids, remember the physical CDs? It, was, it, it came. It had a little inside little jacket that flipped over. Yeah, you had to flip it to the other it's side. Like a D, it's like a DVD. Blueprint Two was definitely better. Anyway, we'll. Uh, all right, maybe maybe we'll have to talk. That about may be it. a podcast in and of itself. Because you seem like you disagree. All right, this is the How Did I Get Here podcast. <laughs>